Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with Mojgan Gazirad. We're talking about The House on Sun Street that comes out on October 3rd. This was such an enjoyable conversation with Mojgan. Um, I really enjoyed learning about how her personal experiences growing up in Iran during um, the conflict, the war with Iraq, and um, the American hostage crisis and kind of learning how those significant events um, helped her shape this story through Moji's eyes and just um, her experience in writing uh, her first novel versus uh, collections of short stories. Uh, but either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Mojgan. So today we've got Mojgan Gazirad. We're talking about the house on Sun Street that comes out on October 3rd. Uh, Mojgan, thank you so much for chatting. I really, this book, it was, it was different than what I'm used to, but I really enjoyed it and it was really entertaining. And I really, you know, I just felt for, um, Moji. I think is that, is that how you pronounce her name? Moji? That's, that's right. Moji. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. It's, it was really, it was just a pleasant surprise. <laughs> like I enjoyed it and it's cause I'm not, you know, we'll get into it, but I'm not, um, you know, I have very little familiarity with, um, the history of Iran and, uh, bringing it, you know, kind of showing us through a child's eyes. I just, I really appreciated the opportunity to read it. So, um, thanks for chatting. I'm looking forward to getting in, you know, diving a little bit deeper today. Thank you so much, Megan, for inviting me to your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here and chat with you. And thank awesome. you for uh, spending time and reading my book and wanting to do this interview with me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we get started, can you give like a little summary um, of the book so that people can follow along with the conversation? Sure. So uh, The House on Sun Street is the story of um, this young girl called Moji, who is living in Tehran at the time of Islamic Revolution in Iran and the years after the revolution, uh, the war between Iran and uh, Iraq, the eight years of war between Iran and Iraq. So it's this the story of um, a coming of age story of this young girl who is going through a lot um, in her life uh, at the same time that there are big changes happening in her country. So the story starts with Moji being uh, in her uh, grandfather's garden uh, where uh, her family gathers her her father, mother, her sister, and her extended family gathers in this beautiful garden in central Tehran. And at night, um, her grandfather reads her uh, the story of 1001 Nights, uh, stories from 1001 Nights. And then she gets to know uh, the characters in that book, uh, hear the magical stories of that book, and um, gets fascinated. Uh, Moji has a very inquisitive mind and wants to know more about the world and um, does things in her life, which sometimes is not quite like in line with what is expected of a young girl in that culture, in that society. But she has questions. The story, as it goes on, it talks about different nights that they are, she is at her 
grandfather's house and the night when the revolution happens in Iran and uh, her her um her observations of that night when she is like kind of fleeing from her own house to her grandfather's house and uh, the story of her and her family moving to United States at the time of uh, Iranian hostage uh, American um Iranians taking hostage in Amer uh, in American embassy in Tehran and the escalation of um, uh, issues and conflicts between you know, America and Iran. At that same time, she is in United States with her parents and then coming back and finding a totally different country as a shock to her and to her to her parents when they come back and they see that everything has changed after two years when they were in United States. And part two of the story uh, uh, is going about uh, her a special school, Moji's special school. She gets um, accepted to go to a talented uh, school in Tehran. The school has been there for a while before the revolution, but now reopens with a new agenda to make sure that they're kind of like indoctrinate um, um, the young minds about the foundations of the Islamic revolution. And there's, uh, and this is this, the, the heart of the story. While she is going through her adolescent changes and her teenage world, uh, clashes be between her and then the things that she is being um, taught at school and her interest in books gets her in trouble in school because the school is trying to get rid of the books that they deem it's unsuitable um, or not suitable for uh, girls at that that young age. So uh, this is the story of, a, as I said, a coming age. And like it can be like it can be the story of any young girl who was like a growing in Iran at that time uh, in Iran with what's happening in the country. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a lot, um, especially just seeing it through the eyes of a child and as a coming through age, because she yeah, it's it's like, as you know, you think of as a child, they children in general, they they end they don't understand everything that they see or they don't understand the context. And so her just being like inquisitive, she wasn't just kind of like dismissing it. She was like, I don't understand like what, you know? So I, I really like that about her where, you know, she wasn't just, she wasn't totally submissive because she was kind of just like, you know, doing what her, her parents and the adults around her were saying, but she was still kind of like questioning everything. And, and, you know, this doesn't seem right. Well, this doesn't make sense. And yeah, I, I just loved, I just always love characters who kind of like do that, especially when they're young and they're like, wait a second, you know? <laughs> um, so kind of have, uh, piggybacking off of that, can you go into your background a little bit? Um, and maybe kind of go further in because you, your personal experiences influence this story, correct? I think if I remember reading about you, like your background and stuff. So yeah, can you kind of um, expand on that and kind of just kind of talk about how you brought her story to life? Yeah. So as you mentioned, yes, this is a, this is a book that is, has uh, many of my life experiences in uh, the book. So I, I do have like uh some of these things that 
does ha- has has happened in my in my life but the story of the book has its own story and the character moji's character is like it how it needed to be developed in that society and in that uh in that grandfather's garden and so um the the characters are built based on what um i thought i what the narrator needed to tell about the story and what was happening in uh for, in her life not necessarily what not what happened to me so um well i have lived a lot of places that i talk about obviously there and it are close to me but not every story is exactly what has happened to me and characters as i said some of them are kind of fictional in the story mhm mhm so what how old um were you when you well when did you move uh to the united states or did you kind of did you come here right away did you have to hop around a little bit to find you know yes yeah so yeah so i did uh I did come to United States when I when my father was uh studying when I was a young child uh and I was here about 2 years and, um I did I did also go to school during the Iranian uh American um American uh hostage crisis but then we went back to Iran and then I st- spent my teenage years and my young adulthood in Iran. I did go to medical school Iran and finished my MD there and I came back um to United States later on uh, once I did my licensing examinations and I went to the gra- uh, I mean to graduate to graduate school kind of like you know residency pediatric residency in United States in in uh, in Virginia, in Nova Fairfax, and then I went to neonatology at George Washington University Hospital. So yeah, so I I, I came here about twenty. I came here to North America about twenty one years ago. So I was quite just. I was like a twenty something when I came back, and at that time I was married and came with my husband. So it's uh, so yeah. So this is kind of like the things that had remained in me of those horrible that time time in iran uh, i felt it it was a story that needed to be told needed to be told yeah absolutely and i totally appreciate that cuz that the whole hostage crisis and all that um i mean that was gosh i don't know maybe at least 13 or 14 years before i was born so it was definitely like not during my time and you know by the time it was all said and done i feel like you know, I just didn't have the brain capacity to even like really be curious about world affairs, you know, and like, you know, the whole global anything that on a global scale. And then, you know, as I get older, I'm like, it's just, it seems like it's a, it's a different conflict now, like a whole, but, but now I understand like why, you know, these kind of, these kind of tensions just go, go back, go way back, they go way back. And it's, you know, it, it's you know, like the history. It's just kind of you know, it's interesting, and it's um, you know, just from my perspective, and just being able to like kind of see it in another context, and kind of see it how uh, people from that region or their family members are from that region, and and you know how that caused them to move around, seek seek safety, and and then how in Moji's with her parents, um, unfortunately, the discrimination that they faced because of where they were from and during that sensitive time. So was that kind of something that you faced too? Like you guys kind of had to like, you know, stay mum about, um, you know, where you were from and be careful about how you, you know, 
presented yourself, so to speak. Exactly. Yes, that is true. I mean, these are the, um, these are the things you see that when you, when you are a child, um, not every memory remains with you. There are things that are linked to emotions that Mm. like stay with you. So those memories that were linked to like the kids being mean to me in school or saying something to me or the times that I had like accomplished something or the time that I felt like my sister was in trouble and I wanted to help her, you know, those are the moments that has stayed in me. So I would say that, yes, they are, they are the, they, they, they are the experienced moments. I, I have had firsthand experience with those, which is unfortunate at times, but it's just that life and people will have different experience in life, especially people who are coming from other parts of the world, which are not as lucky or, <laughs> or they, or their countries don't have the political stability or foundation that is in the democratic countries. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, and it's a whole thing just with like immigration in general, because people come here for all, all sorts of reasons and, and from, you know, all sorts of places and just, yeah, just kind of, I just think it's like, yeah, like, like I said, kind of the older I'm getting, the more I'm learning. And um, that's why I like so much. That's why I'm such like a bookworm and I appreciate different stories like this. Cause then I can kind of see it, you know, experiences and like opinions and perspectives that are not my own. And, and it just kind of makes me appreciate like, not only what I, you know, that I was born on in this country, you know, that I, you know, obviously we have our problems, but in retrospect, it's kind of like, well, uh, you know, don't want to compare it, be like, oh, at least I'm not over there. But it, it's kind of, I'm grateful. I'm grateful because I had no, you, people who were born here, like, we didn't have any control, right? Like, I couldn't, you know, and so, yeah, and it like, I kind of want to touch on that earlier, because it's like how you said, like, it's, it's about survival, right? When people come here and they just want to, they don't want to ruffle feathers. They want to be model citizens because they don't need any other reason to like be singled out or to, to be made like, you know, like to feel like they don't belong here, to be made like they, to feel like they don't belong here. Um, And so I guess that's just, I just find that really interesting. And I, I try my best to just have like some sort of, like some sort of like empathy, just to kind of like imagine, like, I, I don't know, what these people have gone through. I don't know what I would, how I could have survived or, I mean, people do survive. They do it somehow. But when I hear about people coming over here with like nothing, I'm like, how, how, like, how did you make it day by day? You know, and that's if you don't have kids even, like, I can't imagine some of these people like you have to take their whole families and, you know, cause the stability is definitely at that age. It's definitely like has such an impact and the instability has such an impact. So I don't know. It was, I could ramble on forever, but I'm like, it's just things that I think about and stories like, um, emoji story, the stories that you're, um, you know, bringing out to the world. It just kind of, I appreciate the opportunity to read it just to kind of learn, you know, through that historical context and, and, you know, it's, it's just like kind of fascinating to me. So kind of piggybacking off of that a little bit, was like, there any research involved? Like, you know, cause obviously you're kind of drawing from what you know, but did you have to like, 
do any like little deep diving um, when you wanted to try to develop the story and make it authentic, things like that. And was there anything like new that you learned? Anything fascinating, stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I did, uh, I do, I do have a knack for places. So there are a couple of places, like for example, I, um, in 2018, I uh, had a trip back to Iran because I wanted to go ahead and see the area around my um, grandfather's house, which is now uh, the headquarters of the uh, Iranian government. So I wanted to see the Marmara Palace, which was the Reza Pahlavi's um, uh, uh, residence in Tehran, which I could, which I mentioned in the area and the the whole like. The, the trees and everything and all the gardens around there so it could refresh my memory. So this this is the place. I mean, I went around all those uh, areas and squares around Tehran. And there is also um, the story that when she is going through, uh, going to school with her mom and her sister pass through those um, shops that they make uniforms and armies I'll go to that places in Tehran just to make sure that I have the location in mind and um, making sure that I am describing things correctly as they are or as they were in that uh, era of Iran. Also, what I have to do uh, good research about is about the uh, Iran-Iraq war and um, the activities that were going on, the different uh, maneuvers they were using, and then that was which was related to Moji's uncle going to to the border to see what was going on and how, because those are the things that kind of like I I've heard, but. It, I needed to be accurate about what was really going to happen and what what is uh, what was the the toll and everything going on back there. Yes, so these are um these are the things that I had to do make make research about, and also the stories that um stories of one thousand and one night. Obviously, I reread the book by based uh what the the Farsi translation because I felt it is way easier to read in comparison to Richard Burton's book, which has an archaic language, as you can see in the beginning of the each chapter is sometimes is difficult even for American, I mean, for English people, English speaking people to understand what he's trying to say. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, so for linking Moji's story to those stories, I reread the 1000 and white, the text, which is uh, translated in Farsi, and I enjoyed it so much. And that's a long, that's a very, very long book, as you can imagine. So it's, um, yeah, how long, how long is it then? Because I, yeah, because I've never seen it like physically. (laughs) Yeah. It is. Yeah. So you see, the one that I have, I've been a bit, it's like four, uh, yeah, so there are six volumes. And each uh, about like five hundred something pages. So oh it's, my it's gosh! Long. Like there's like one thousand nights. Every night has a story, as it is say one thousand and one actually. So every night does have it. So the story. So oh my so gosh! I did go. <laughs> That's a few that. years if you did right. It, <laughs> you yes, read, it takes. Yeah. It takes. It took me. It took me two years to read it again because obviously I couldn't read it every day. Yeah. But I. It took me two years. Though I know a lot of it because my my grandfather used to tell me those stories. So I knew the ones that are very popular. uh, But even 
knowing all of them, you know, it gave me a sense for writing the book. So actually, it's fascinating to read and it's very enjoyable to read. Yeah, I imagine because yeah, I, I, I could imagine it's like maybe a little overwhelming just looking at it. But I, I can also picture like once once you get into it, it's like, you just want to keep reading. Like you kind of get sucked exactly. in because it's like, exactly. Yeah. Like Shahzad, she's a magical storyteller. I mean, you want to read more and then every night you want to read a little bit more and a little bit more. And actually I have read uh, two volumes to my son too, when he was smaller, oh. you know, when we had the time to read together. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. I love that. Um, so this, is this your debut? Is this your first book? Oh, yes. My debut, it's my debut novel in English. I have oh, written yes. three collection of short stories in Farsi that they, ha- they, they have been, um, uh, one, the first one was uh, printed in Tehran, but the second and third collected stories were, I could not, I could not get the, um, I mean, they, they didn't let that be getting printed in Tehran. So I had to go ahead and print them outside United, outside Iran. But yeah, but this is my first um, um, novel and my first book in English that I've written. Okay. Well, congrats. I'm I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you got here. (laughs) I can't imagine. I, I, I've I've interviewed a few authors where there, it was their work, uh, their first work in English or um, the book's been out, but then it's finally been translated to English. And Mm so I, I, it's just always an interesting journey how that all, you know, because there's, multiple you know uh parties involved when you want to make that happen but then but then once you do it's just like you know the sky's the limit right (laughs) so let me say originally i wanted to i mean i had this story in mind for a long time maybe 10 years ago i was thinking of writing it but at that point i was thinking of writing it in farsi but then as i uh lived more in the united states and talked with people and I also went to different, you know, conferences and writers conferences and workshops. So I thought that, well, you know what, I think that it's better idea to write in English because of the readership and the country that I'm actually living in right now. I mean, America is my country, you know, it's my home. So I would wanted to write it in English. So I decided to go to um, like a, like, you know, low residency MFA um, so I could get home the craft and get in the habit of writing more regularly, not just like as a habit of writing here and there or that. So yeah, I did go uh, to uh, did go to a low residency program, Mountain View Low Residency, which is in New Hampshire, for um, two years, and I did a lot of this uh, like oh, of my work there which is really helped me because as you know there are peer-reviewed workshops that we had in these residencies and people really criticize your work criticize your voice your your characters this plot and everything so you get to make it better and better yeah I am glad that I end up writing this and um in English and then that it sit for a while and then revised it many times till I felt it was now ready to be uh, published. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it can be pretty grueling, but it's, unfortunately, it's just, it's got to be done. You got to do it. <laughs> you just got it to, you know, you got to have a, th- a little bit of a thick skin, constructive criticism, but um, it's so worth it. Like you just, to make it the best that it can be. Right. True. Very true. Uh, so kind of like piggybacking off of that, were there any like big lessons learned as far as like, how, how, how did you, like in switching from short stories to the, to a novel, how, how did that like experience uh, differ? And, and were there any like big lessons learned? You know, I felt like I, even when my, and I, when I was doing the short stories, I, I kind of like felt that I am more of a long story person. I mean, I'm like a, like a novelist more than a short story writer. Um, I like to, I like the description. I like the story. I like to like work on the plot. So I think that intrigued me more to write this like story. And I, the last two, uh, short story collection, two of the actually stories are kind of like novella. They're like long, long. And, um, I would say that I could see this in me that I didn't really like to just write uh, like anecdotes or like connected short stories out of those experiences during the revolution. I wanted to make it as a like a fiction with the plot and the narrative arc. Yeah, so it had its own challenges because writing so for, for from the culture that I am coming or I will say that the culture that I was raised in, because obviously the Iranians are different nowadays. When I go back sometimes to Iran, I kind of say, oh, okay, well, this is not the country that I came from. You know, it's like so much changed. So many things has changed there. But the culture that I was going, it was not comfortable to talk about like a girl's changes or like, like sexuality, thinking about those things or about changes that a young girl will see in her own self. That was writing about those was difficult for me. You know, it was difficult. I couldn't, I had to overcome my own inner hindrance, inner blocks that let, didn't let me tell the story. But then I always thought, how can you write a coming of age story without not being to talk about a girl and her desires and her Mm -hmm. sexuality and how she is how she is seeing the world and developing those senses and desires in herself so that was the challenge for me right yeah i could totally see that because um i i think the as challenging as it was for you i think those were at least during like just one of the the powerful the one of the more powerful uh experiences that moji goes through is she's like and because she's kind of inquisitive she's just like i don't like what is this and then she's you know grappling trying to make sense of these new feelings she has and not even you know not even just like her sexuality and like in in and discovering that part about herself but also discovering like the romantic uh feelings exactly. that she she has right. no control over like we don't have exactly any, you know yeah. and yeah it, <laughs> so you can see megan you see i'm coming from a country i mean i'm coming from a, a, a part of history in iran that nobody talks about those things at all so you can see that 
the like explaining those things for emoji uh, finding and figuring out for emoji was difficult you know so if in that thing so and then she had to overcome this and 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 then like ta- like tackle those questions and things that was happening in her without having uh without having any idea not hearing it any from anywhere anyone else in the family because nothing nobody talked about these things and it was not allowed to you know it's different like going through this when you're you think that's the only thing that you know you know it's mm-hmm. you that know these things so it was a challenge for me to write as when I was trying to like narrate those and then like see what Moji was was seeing in, in those in those times yeah so I imagine it might have been a little therapeutic for you I'm th- you know it was like because you've never had to really or at least maybe it's, I mean, by now you've come to terms with those feelings, but I imagine how difficult it might be for any young person who doesn't like have any, any preparation, who doesn't have any like introduction and, and just somebody telling them, even just like feeling comfortable asking questions. I, I think that's huge. Like it's, you know, just to, to make a child feel comfortable, like it's okay to ask questions. This is normal, but not even having, not even feeling safe to kind of open that dialogue or to even start like to just to be that safe space where it's like, well, like knowing that there's nothing wrong with you knowing that it's, you know, you're not expected to know this stuff until now, you know, until you're experiencing it. Like this is, it's not scary. It's normal. Don't be ashamed, but it, yeah, to just happy grow up in, in an environment where just, they just, they didn't, it didn't happen. Don't ask, don't tell, don't like. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So yes, yeah, so my hope, my hope is, is in the house on sun street is showing this um, huge obstacle that is in front of Moji of knowing herself and the changes that's happening to her emotions, her body, and how she's feeling about people around her. If when she is, um, when she is like, get when she has a crush on her teacher. So when she doesn't know, is it good? Is it bad? Or has, has it ever happened? You see, well, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that it has come well in the book that shows this bewilderment and sense of shock and sense of loneliness for the character. It does. I think that's probably one of the, her experiences that really hit more home for me. Like we're going to try to be spoiler free, but just when she goes into like, when she's depressed and it just like, I just felt for her. Cause I'm thinking, Oh, like, she doesn't understand that either. Like she doesn't, she's, she's, you know, I imagine if you have like this huge crush and then you don't know how to make sense of it and the changes through your body. And then on top of that, it's like that unrequited or unreturned romantic feelings. And you still don't know how to handle that. And you still, and even then I think adults are still kind of like, what do I do? Like, it doesn't, I don't think it matters a whole lot, like how old you are. But I think that that age, uh, that age range is like such a crucial time. And that's just what's, those were in like the core memories are going to be made. Like that's experiences mm-hmm. then are going to kind of like, you know, kind of determine how you handle that going forward. And I just, I don't know when it comes to like, the fact that she was just young like that and she she like had kind of had her first like heartbreak a little bit it it was and and then she just straight up like became depressed i 
I couldn't help but just feel for her. And I just wanted to like be there and be like, it's okay. Like, I know this, I know this hurts. It's okay. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you were into the character, which is good. I feel like, well, this is what I wanted to achieve to make people to like feel for my character, feel for Moji and understand yeah. her situation. And, identify with her and try to be like oh you can do this don't do it you know yeah you can get over it. <laughs> I know I, I I'm just a big dork like that though but like I think it just really speaks to the power of storytelling if you can really just like engage the rear where you just like not only do you engage them but like you you kind of pull on their heartstrings a little bit that's just like okay I'm done like I'm not mad about it I'm a little mad but it's okay like I I love it but I hate it you know <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so kind of you talked about like the really challenging part. Was there any um parts that were the most enjoyable for you to write? Yeah. The in, the most enjoyable writing for me were when I when Moji like when I was writing Moji about her experience when her grandmother were making the all those beautiful and delicious dishes and preparing food. You see, it was just amazing going to her kitchen was writing about it like it was just it was one of the best things that I like when for example when she was making Asherishte the noodles like the the memory of it and how it how emoji is going to her uh, Azra and then they're making it it's just the, the best parts I, for me Oh, that's awesome. I think there's something about food that just kind of like, it just brings that not only that nostalgia, but just like really kind of ties you to that, to the, to your culture, to your, your ingredients, the process and, and like, not just the eating that is, um, you know, the common, like getting together activity and spending time with family, but it's like also the cooking part of it too, where, preparing the meal together and knowing knowing like you know where you are in the assembly line like know what knowing what you have to do knowing your job things like that and I I just I know that I even not not just for the dishes but just for like also some of like the wardrobe that you were describing um for the people in the story that we're wearing I just remember I like I was like googling a bunch of words just to make sure that I like <laughs> I could get like a good grasp but so that it wouldn't like catch me up but yeah I think the food definitely I I would be def- definitely be interested in kind of like trying them but also i don't know i I, it sounds like a little would you say like iranian recipes are a little um like complex are there like a lot of ingredients or like a lot of hard to find ingredients in um in the u.s at all i think so but you know things have changed now you see now even you go to different stores and you see that they have authentic i don't know like these so you you are able to find especially for example if you're in bigger cities in new york and Washington, Greater Washington is where I live. There are definitely more Persian restaurants and you can also find ingredients. In California, they have, I don't know where you are situated, but in California. I'm in Chicago. Okay. I think you should be able, I mean, if you want to try them, you should definitely be able to find like a Persian store that they sell the ingredients that we use in them. Okay. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, because I imagine like, um, yeah, because you're absolutely right. There are like stores that were either are more like heavier on the um more authentic or the ethnic aisles, you know, or like depending exactly. on what you're looking for. 
And yeah, I don't know. I guess I'd just be like really interested, but I, I, it just depends on the complexity. If anything has like more than five ingredients, I'm like, uh, maybe I'll go like see if there's a restaurant that I can like try it. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you will find restaurants in Sh- Persian restaurants in Chicago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know one, but I'm pretty sure you will be able to find. I'll have to look it up. Cause a lot of the, I think, yeah, it's kind of just tying it back to the, the act of, of her. Um, participating and like prepping, I think just think scenes like that kind of just they also bring that back from. I was like, oh, what what does that taste like? Like kind of just kind of getting into that moment and and the smell and the sounds and and stuff like that. Like, well, I imagine probably why you had you felt like you had to uh, go back to Iran to to exactly. really get back in it get back in it like how they will make the tomato paste at home and see those people who are doing it still you know like relatives who do it still you know as i said things have changed but there are still some people who do it at home those things so it it was something that i had to go and refresh refresh my memory for writing this novel yeah yeah absolutely so just a few more questions before we wrap up here um Okay, what what advice would you give to Moji? What advice I give to Moji? It's a tough one, I guess. <laughs> I think that I would tell her to I would not uh recommend advise her against her being inquisitive and reading those books that she was wanting she wanted to be uh uh reading, but I would advise her to be more patient, to be uh not taking everything in her life as if it's like a disaster happening and then like making or it's like this is going to break you break her and then there's no tomorrow after that especially the time that she was down and she thought that well this is it's something that she would have been patient she would have seen that well this will pass you know this will pass and then there will be other moments in life and this is the experience that she will come out of it. So if we take this as a life experience that we will be able to overcome it, overcome it eventually, um, will not suffer that much from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's good advice for like a lot of people, but I think especially for coming of age, like around that age it's like yeah it it does seem like the end of the world but it's also exactly so everything you think oh it's going to be but then you you realize well no there will be a (laughs) night there will be another tomorrow when you wake up and you see that all you thought that has been ruined is not and you can build again you know yeah just kind of like yeah this sucks but just push through it you'll survive and you'll be able to move on and you'll be stronger for it. You know, exactly. all, all that, all that good stuff. So you kind of touched on this a little bit. Uh, what do you hope readers get out of this story? Oh, well, first of all, I think that I would uh, love, I mean, it, I would say that this is more like also a, a, you can categorize it as a historical fiction. So it will help, I think, for American readers to or English readers to kind of have a better grasp, better idea and have a better like awareness of what was going on um, at the time of revolution, the years after to the adolescent and then the woman in Iran. And they would I feel like this is timely also because 
they can understand the frustration of, for example, Iranian women at the moment of what's happening in the country, where that's coming from and why they are and what their struggle, what their struggles are, what they are demanding and why is this now such a huge issue in Iran. So it helps readers to understand, to give them a background of what is happening um, uh, right now in Iran and it will help them know Iran better, um, recent history of Iran. And obviously other thing that I would love my readers is just to share to, to share the experience of Moji as a human being and a young girl that, that comes of age and they like enjoy reading and sharing her uh, feelings and emotions and then um, being with her. So it's something that I think that we all enjoy. It's part of why we read books because we want to enjoy reading and then thinking about people sharing their emotions and learning from their uh, mistakes or things that uh, we can identify and relay in our own lives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's that's why um, some of the stuff that she was going through kind of resonated with me at least a little bit, like, because it just... I remember being a 12 year old girl and <laughs> going through these things and not really, um, you know, it would threw me for a loop. Right. And, and even like the things, the emotions that come with all of that, it's, that's kind of like where, going back to what I said earlier. That's kind of like why now I, I totally agree with you where I'm like, no, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. <laughs> um, okay. So where, what's next for you? Are you working on anything that you could talk about? Yeah, do I finished the novel and I am in the process of revising it. So my hope is that soon after I'm done with um the book launch and the, the meetings that I've been going to to get back to it and do the one final revisions and send it to my agent. So we'll see where where that book will end up being. So Nice, nice. Yeah, we won't. I won't make you say anything that you're not allowed to say. So, wonderful. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we'll just leave it in the universe with the you know positive vibes and and good luck and all that stuff. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. Okay, Moshka and Kazirad, where can we find you online and on social media? Okay, yeah, I do have a website. Um, like uh, you can find me there. I'm also with my uh, same name uh, on Facebook, Twitter. Or X and Instagram. Yeah. So you can find me in all of these social media places and my website as well. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. The House on Sun Street comes out on October 3rd. Um, I really liked diving a little bit deeper and understanding the context of, um, you know, the conflict and what it means for uh, young people growing up in those times. And um, I'm really glad I had the opportunity to read it. And, you know, thanks. Thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you so much, Megan, for inviting me. And thank you for this nice chat. And there you go. That was Moja and Gazirad talking about The House on Sun Street that comes out on October 3rd. Check out the show notes to find the links and where she is on social media and online and where to purchase the book. 
rate, review, subscribe. Go ahead and follow us on social media, the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. Check out my book reviews on thenerdcantina.com. And while you're at it, please do go hop on Amazon and Goodreads and give these uh, authors and their work um, ratings and reviews. It really does help them out. And so do the pre-orders. So make sure that you're keeping an eye on that. Definitely recommend it. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.